It's another episode of Locked On Coyotes. We're going to discuss the Arizona Coyotes season. Things that went wrong for the Arizona Coyotes that led them to the end of this year. It's on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Robin Leonio. That's Carl Padlick right beside me. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Coyotes your first listen every day. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts. And best part of it all, everyone, is there is absolutely zero paywall to listen to our show. You can listen to it free all day, every day. Let's start this post this post season topics. For the Arizona Coyotes, it's the offseason. It's, it's finally here, Carl. Um, we are starting now our year in review series where we discuss a lot of things that went down for the Arizona Coyotes, right? And yep. I think we should start off with stuff that went wrong. Um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys are probably thinking, uh, Carl and Robin, there are half a million things that went wrong for the Coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, but we're going to talk yeah. about the, the three biggest things, the overarching things that created the biggest problems here that caused them to have a season like they did. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, it's tough to say they really went wrong because they are all kind of things that we... Expected. Yeah, expected. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where the team, like, failed, and we all knew that they were going to fail to meet to reach the playoffs. Let's say that that is the arbitrary goal for every team. Uh, they are supposed to reach the playoffs. They did not. They finished in the bottom of the standings. And we all predicted that when the start season started. So let's, let's be glad that, you know, again, that we expected this and, you know, um, versus, uh, you know, that bless their hearts locked on Canadians because they had to talk about a team that literally was just in the Stanley Cup final last year and yeah. finished last. Yeah. Uh the Coyotes like blew up in the off season. We got to talk about that a lot. We're like, wow, look at this thing that created and let's all watch it slowly finish the season which it did. It took forever. Uh, and then it happened, and we're like, oh, wow, that was exactly what we thought it'd be. The Canadians were like, hey, we're going to have fun. We you know, got some new pieces. Let's see what happens. And then freaking Wiley Coyote hit a wall. It was kind of fun to watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, uh, it, also, it, was, it, was all, it was fun, but it was also frustrating, because even though we knew, it was, we knew it was coming, right? We knew it yeah. was coming, but it was like, yeah i mean we still had to watch it um we we watched a lot of hockey that was played that was not very good we saw a lot of things that just kept happening and something that we've talked about all season was yeah we kind of expected this to happen it doesn't make it any like more enjoyable to watch i'm sure the both of us would rather like 
be covering a team that was playing phenomenal hockey that was very enjoyable to like discuss and watch and enjoy um but you know we found the bright spots we gotta talk about some of the the poor areas right now absolutely we do have to talk about the poor poor areas on today's episode and let's start with the first carl and that is uh penalties for the arrows and the coyotes you brought up a stat and i want you to share it with the listeners in just a moment as I kind of tee things up, but um, like the full stat, and I'm just going to you know, give the background, is the Arizona Coyotes were the fourth most penalized team in the National Hockey League in the 2021-22 season. That's not good. No, not at all. Uh, the Coyotes, uh, as you said, fourth most penalized team. They had 840 penalty minutes. Uh, the Nashville Predators had 1,035, which is just mind-blowing, but not really something that we're going to talk about. Just know that. like, Live with that fact, listeners. The Nashville Predators had over 1,000 penalty minutes for some reason. Um, but yeah, the Coyotes took a lot of penalties. They took a lot of penalties at the worst time. They would frequently give up a goal and then take a penalty like two minutes later. Uh, just or, a thing that happened. Or they'd get the perfect opportunity, you, you know, to to score. They're like, oh, this is their chance to score. You know, they, they're they right in the right momentum. Then they take a penalty. Like, yeah. why? There, why? There was quite a few offensive zone penalties. That was something that was staying with the team, like, to the end. Like, the, the Coyotes won at the end of April, despite continuing to take ridiculous penalties and like every single game i was watching i was like this is that point in the game where they like give up a power play goal and then things start spiraling and the penalty kill just stopped giving up penalties it was it was weird to watch but like they continued with bad habits and as we saw over a long enough time span over a season those bad habits are gonna kill you yeah, and it it was that that all that frustration too, you know, like because I don't know, like how many times can you count, Carl, of the times when those penalties were taken in the most inopportune times when you you're just like, oh, guys might just get back in this game, they might just crawl their way out and maybe try to win this one, and then they take something crappy and shitty, and you're like, well, frick, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, th there was too many times to count. And like I said, the thing that always really stuck out to me in addition to that was just like the, they just gave up a goal, they take a penalty, and then they give up a power play goal. That was so many of the second period collapses, which we're going to be talking about later because that's yep. another part of what went wrong, um, was just like the second goal tended to be a power play goal like i i want to break down the coyote second period collapses because they were remarkably uniform uh and it was the same thing happening over and over again you just created a great idea for something else to do later this month it's just is to literally break down piece by piece a second period for the arizona coyotes yeah they they, they would have occasional good ones they would sometimes collapse in the beginning. They would sometimes collapse at the end. It all tended to happen within eight minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, 
we talked about it a lot, so it stuck out in my mind. Uh, so expect more about that in the upcoming offseason. The second period collapse was a Coyotes like theme this year. It was an absolute major theme. Yep. But, you know, penalties being the major issue, and I think it led into a lot of other issues. Yep. Um, and it created more of those things. We're going to get to those other issues in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about our next partner. They have a product that I use literally every day. It's called AG1. And I started taking it because, well, let's, let's, let, me, let me tell you about it. It is, a, uh, pers- it is a little powder that you could put in your drink, and it can give you all of the vitamins that you could potentially need, getting rid of the need to take pills and a bunch of other stuff every day. It's all done in one product. AG1, again, it is. it has absolutely everything you can need. It can help digestion, energy, simplicity. You know, simplicity. It's everything there. Uh, you can mix it. And the good thing is, it's a, since it's a powder, you can mix it with a lot of different kinds of drinks. You can mix it with water. You can mix it with your favorite juice. I'm pers- I personally love to mix it with orange juice in the morning. Um, and then, you know, mix it up and take it with me to work. It is so freaking simple to use. And it just contains less than one gram of sugar. Very, very easy, very, very good for you. And again, it all costs less than $3 a day. Go ahead and check it out yourself. Go to Athletic Greens, and they're going to give you a a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's continue this episode of Lockdown Coyotes as we discuss the three things that the Arizona Coyotes faced in the 2021-2022 season that's led to their demise this year. Let's yep. start, let's move on. And I mentioned, we mentioned penalties to start things off and, and penalties were a, uh, they had, with uh, they were a catalyst that led into half a million other problems. And let's get to that next one, Kyle, in the special teams. Because yep. uh, we've talked about it. Uh, and I'll go ahead and say things straight up, you know, kind of to to make things easy. Penalty kill, probably one of the worst penalty kill we have seen in a long time. Absolutely. Um, just a phenomenally bad penalty kill. The Coyotes were 29th in the league this past season. They killed 75% of their penalties, which is not good. It's still astonishing to me that teams finished worse than the Coyotes, especially the Vancouver Canucks, the Seattle Kraken, and the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I think we all kind of expected them to be a little bit higher than the Coyotes, but eh, whatever. Uh, And on the other side, Coyotes... 30th team in the league for the power play. They only scored on 13.9%. Yeah, no, that's not good. If you're yeah. under 15%, that's just red, really bad. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of interested in the stat. Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me. How many of their power plays ended prematurely because of a penalty? Going back to what we were talking about last segment, um, either way, the Coyotes were not good on you know 
either the man advantage or on the penalty kill. Uh, I thought that they occasionally had some good moments and there were some individual good performances. Uh, something that we talked about a lot, Clayton, Ken- Clayton Keller penalty killer was a joy to watch this mm-hmm. season. But I mean, yeah, this is definitely something where the team needs to begin addressing it. And I think we've already seen that with, you know, one assistant coach not being renewed. Um, that is going to directly like affect how the power play is going to be next season. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how things change because, you know, especially with something like the power play, I don't necessarily see there being like a lot of major roster changes for that. No, it just, it'll just be a fundamental uh, strategy change on the power. Yeah. Obviously, um, again, going back to what we were saying earlier this week, Phil, what Phil Housley implemented in the personnel of the Coyotes, it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, So, and we saw that with like quite a few five on three power plays too. Like those are just things where I, I know like everyone always makes the excuse that it's not something that, you know, teams really practice, but you need to make the other team pay if you're if they're gonna give you like two minutes of five on three, which we saw multiple times this mm-hmm. season. And five no coyotes three. goal. You have so much room on the ice when you're on a five on three power play that like like your five on three power play percentage should be in like the nineties. That's yeah. really weird. I mean again that's I'm being I'm being a little uh I'm I'm being Term here, you know what I mean. You know, you know what I'm we're saying. oversimplifying it a little yes. bit. There's, there's a lot of nuance in the defensive aspect, and as I said, teams don't really practice five on three. But still, like the Coyotes' power play, like never passed the eye test. It didn't pass like the underlying numbers test. Like we're probably not going to see personnel overhaul, except for like maybe a full season of Nate Smith. Uh, and Jack McBain, like those were kind of the two big additions, mm-hmm. but those are kind of like the, the moments where you put some of your best players and the Coyotes best players probably aren't going to change too much between like now and next season. No, uh, even a, even a simple assistant coaching change won't really do much on that side. I mean, yeah. like, well, it, again, strategy will change and in, and a change in strategy will change in the effectiveness Will the Coyotes go from 30th power play to top five? No, no. but it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Although like theoretically they could like pull out an awesome PK out of nowhere. Like that is one of those things where I feel like a system coach could really like change a PK and in, in ways that a power play cannot. Let's go back to the PK from three, four years ago. Now <laughs> the coyotes I... had one of the best and probably most entertaining penalty kills in the league. Not just because not only were they effective, but they also scored so much shorthanded. Like they yeah. were good. I mean, uh, so we'll check on Scott Allen, see what he's doing. I believe <laughs> that was the coach then. Uh, if I'm wrong, please correct me, but I believe it was Scott Allen. Um, but yeah, there, there are definitely things that the Coyotes can do to address this. Like a system change could 
theoretically move things in a more positive direction. I don't foresee them being a top 10 power play, but they can maybe be the 20th ranked power play. Like that's not an unlike reachable goal to be like the lower end of average as opposed to absolute trash. And again, we're talking about a from the ground up rebuild, right? Yeah. This team is is like definitely rebuilding and the management doesn't hide behind that, right? So like it's we know that things aren't going to turn around overnight. I mean, it that's just the that's just fact right there. And if anyone yeah. if anyone thinks that the Arizona and the Coyotes are going to be like a playoff team next year, honestly, you're sorely mistaken. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, no. I, 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 that'll be a fun episode when we talk about what realistic expectations for the Coyotes oh, yeah, are. We will, we will talk about that too as well <laughs> later this offseason. We have, what, three months or whatever of of there's a lot of time yeah there, there there's a lot of uh a lot of things that we could talk about for this and for a while we're still five days a week everybody yeah and, and i mean just the coyotes are a very interesting team like a rebuilding team has like moving parts in a way that like a more stable like cup contender may not so yeah there, there's gonna be plenty to talk about Absolutely. Um, and so let's let's get ready to talk about that next bit, um, because obviously both of the issues we just talked about, there was a major route that kind of led to all that. Let's get to that in just a moment. But first, a quick word from Carl. So I have a message from our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Information. You can find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball and the NHL playoffs, the thing that we are not really going to be talking about because the Coyotes did not make it. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from all live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So let's wrap things up this episode of Lockdown Coyotes as we discuss the things that went wrong for the Coyotes this season. Yep. And let's let's just put it out there, Carl. The biggest one I think is no surprise to any of us. Um, it was kind of the root of what caused all the other two confidence. <laughs> yep. That is absolutely the case. The Coyotes have a major confidence problem. Uh, Although, as I have said throughout the season, it's not really a problem because they are, like, accurately acknowledging what their level is. Like, they are, like, when the Coyotes say, we can't win, that's not them not having confidence. That's them being like, yeah, we're not going to win every night. That's... It's just what the team is. And that is why coaching is so important. Yeah. And uh, like, obviously we, we, we saw them grow a little bit towards the end of the season, but you know, you'd see those days where let's say they take a bad. So like, let's put it this way. Confidence is such an issue in the issue with this. They take a bad penalty that's um and it kind of and going into a spe- to special teams terrible penalty kill they let the second period collapse happen 
And yep. then they lose a game eventually 9-1. to one. Yes, I am talking about the Calgary Flames game earlier this earlier this uh, last month now. Yeah. Um, that is the perfect example of an absolute collapse. Um, and there's multiple games we can even pick from. You can pick the you know two the two of the three times they played the Golden Knights. You can pick any other game in which yeah. it was so freaking lopsided that it's just unbelievable. Just one freaking goal against this against a Coyote squad can change everything. Yeah. And, and I think something that we've seen is like so much of their confidence can also be around their goaltending. Like Carol Vimelka had multiple 45 plus save wins. Like where the team, like I'm thinking about the Winnipeg game where they won one zero. Like you cannot tell me that it is a confident team that gives up that many shots. They were thoroughly outplayed but like if they had goaltending, they were there. Unfortunately, the Coyotes don't have the goaltending that you can kind of rely on for that situation. Like, yeah, Vimelka is not that. And T is not signed in a contract that would suggest that he is that. So I don't want to say that he is underperforming. Carol Vimelka cannot support a low confidence team. So yeah, like, that, there's like and an example too because there's you can tell the Coyotes were fully buying into the rebuild is, is when they decided to let all their all of their goaltenders from the previous year go. Um, yeah. There's a reason why Darcy Kemper, Antironta, and Aiden Hill are all on different teams. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah. The, Let's be honest. The Coyotes needed to not have that kind of goaltending for right now. Because that would have get that would have gotten them more wins than they should have gotten. Yeah, yeah. Which honestly, like if you look at it, it's what happened with Montreal for for probably multiple seasons. Like Carey Price has saved that team from oblivion a couple of times, and we got to see a season without it, and it was really oh funny. yeah. Oh yeah. Just bring that back. Uh, <laughs> more salt in that wound. Uh but but yeah, no. The, and there was just so many reasons why the conf- Coyotes would like lose confidence. The thing that always stuck out to me was like those games where they would like have four shots on goal in the first period. Like and then just be completely dead and you're like, yeah, you had four shots on goal to start off. It wasn't going to get much better. Or um, as an example, to, to in the the start of the last game, obviously that game that you know the Coyotes rebounded and had whatever you know chaos crap that they ended up pulling off. But in four shots, they allowed three goals. Like, yeah, yeah, and, and there was plenty of times like that where you're just like, uh, I, I I don't know what it is. It was. Usually combinations of defensive collapses and goaltending. Like no one player deserves all the blames for it because it was a thing that happened a lot. Uh, as as a as we've said, the second period collapse was a notable thing, but there was first period collapses. There was third period collapses. The Coyotes love to collapse. It just usually happened in the second period for some reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it could be a perfect bell curve. I don't know. Um, but but yeah, it was very unfortunate to watch. I will say this, though. 
the Coyotes were not a team that you could count out in the final minutes. And that is like a weird, like other side of the coin for their confidence because they would always dig deep and they would always play hard till the end. Usually they would usually play hard to the end. There's memorable multiple like occasions where they just like, you know, came back and avoided a shutout or just like scored one more just to like have that extra goal. And we saw that on a macro level with the final three games, the final four games, like, yeah, so there's there's some confidence there. It's just not present for a full 60 minutes like the rest of the Coyotes game. Yep, and le- let's go ahead and point to another major reason this team didn't have as much confidence. It's the youth of the team. And yeah. it's and, and again, I don't want to blame I, I don't want to say youth is a reason they're not confident, but when you have a team as young as the Coyotes are, and you don't have like a, you know, a, I mean, I'm not saying you don't because they did, but they, but like, but have a formidable, true veteran leader who can like route, who, who like more than one, not just one, but more than one veteran leader who can kind of, you know, bring everything together. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, there's, it can, it can lead to some issues, right? Because, there's a reason why there was, you know, there's a novelty of bringing in a, a veteran, like an, you know, a veteran leader, like, and obviously yeah. diff, completely different, completely different. But example, why did, why the frick did the Toronto Maple Leafs a few years back decided to bring in Patrick Marlowe? Sure. <laughs> Not because of his talent, because they're used, you know, on the oldest, older side, like, like he could still play, but he was there to be a leader. For the young Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and and Austin Matthews, of course. And, and I don't want to say that like no Coyotes players like serve that role in their own way, exactly. Uh, because we we aren't in the locker room, we don't know like who is like helping the the players out. Who is the guy that like just says things like you don't the- even think to ask? But that that was definitely something where I think on ice I would have liked to have seen more of that. Like the thing I always like to talk about is like the player who will just like when the team's down, they'll go out and score a goal. Uh, and that's a way to like step up and lead. And I don't think we get enough of that till maybe the end strawman, I would say. Um, I mean, I'll give, I'll, I'll also like in a, out of the veteran. Yeah. Cause I, at like for the most part, I saw some out of the younger players, not too young, but Clayton Keller was a player who would always step up. Um, I I do think you're right though. You need that like old guy like in there, like that that veteran player. And and I'm not sure if the Coyotes necessarily got that. Um, Well, here's the thing that was unfortunate. Phil Kessel should have been that player. Yeah, Uh, he just and did he play okay? All right, yeah. He you know he you know he had a decent amount of points in the year, but the thing is, he had one of his lowest goal totals in the last few years. Yeah. Like, uh, th- there is. I think I saw reports that he was like dealing with some like unknown injury at the time that was worse than we thought. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wanted more of Kessel. Like, I, I, and that is probably, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure that that is a like 
a reasonable request from Castle, but I wanted more. Like I thought he could have given more. Um, I, I think he gave a lot, and I am not questioning him in any way. No. I just I, I think he could have done more. He's like the kid in school. You give him a B, but you're like, oh, you can really get that A. You can really do it. You just need to apply yourself a little bit more. Also, I will have to say that you can tell there was a little bit of frustration there when he didn't get traded after the deadline. Yeah, absolutely that. Uh, but let's be fair. Uh, I thought there was going to be a lot more in the beginning of the season because Kessel was brought in for Tocket. Like that was kind of like the major selling point for him. His head coach got fired. Like, honestly, this could have been like the worst season of Phil Kessel's career. And I would have been like, yeah, I, I can understand it. I can see it. He performed much better than that. Um, but you're right. Like after the trade deadline, he seemed kind of frustrated. Yeah. It, and again, not, I, and I don't blame him. Right. No. I do not blame him one bit for being frustrated because he's in the, you know, he's in the, like what a lot of people consider the twilight of his career. Like he doesn't yeah. know if he's going to be playing much longer, if he's going to play another season at all. Um, and he wanted to be able to end his career playing for a team that, you know, was maybe a little more fun, that had a chance to win. He has games couple, that mattered. Yeah, <laughs> games that mattered because, uh, you know, he wanted to be able to play that kind of role, right? You know, that yeah. kind of – and, I mean, it makes sense. You know, he's – you know, he's Phil Kessel. He's like all he really knew was winning for a while, you know? He was on winning teams. I mean – he was on two back-to-back winning teams, and then he was famously on a not-winning team. Uh, so the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. absolutely did not win. Uh, but yeah, uh, I I don't know. Like we are, we're talking about disappointing aspects of the season. Phil Kessel's name has come up, but I do not consider his season to be very no. disappointing he just happens to be part of things that were disappointing and we'll get into that when we when we do it more an individual review with him later this month yeah um that he's just a, a big presence and we are talking about big problems a, a presence in in part of the issue when we're talking about confidence because again we talked about the like you know you can see his frustration as well and yeah. we were hoping that he was going to be that kind of veteran leader to to you know rise up the uh the hindered confidence of the young coyotes players yeah and, and we just we didn't really see that in a way that we should we were expecting, especially after Keller was hurt. And, uh, Cause I think that was another big thing that happened right around the trade deadline where we really needed a veteran leadership to step up. And one thing I'll say too, um, as a kind of way to say this, like, and may maybe also Phil Kessel didn't expect to be at that level too. Cause remember the previous, the Coyotes just last year, you know, like they had all of Reckman Larson and they had Nicholas Yalmerson and a, Christian Dvorak and yeah. Connor Garland. Yeah. So like these, these guys, like, you know, the, 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 you know, the first two leaders, veteran leaders, right? Yeah. First two veteran leaders. That's the most important part, right? Yalmerson yeah. was a, was, was a veteran leader. Absolute yeah. veteran leader. 
Yeah. Just like a lot of the players had to step up, Kessel had to step up in a leadership way and in a team continuity way too, because I think that is something that's not really talked about in the same, like a lot of new people coming in. Kessel knows the lay of the land and he is the oldest player there. He is the most experienced. So he is doing and serving that role. You are absolutely right. That is definitely something that uh, we we put a lot on the Coyotes this year, and that is one of the things that was put on Kessel. Absolutely. Anyways, though, what we're going to do, we're going to close things off of this episode of Lockdown Coyotes. Um, coming up later this week, we are going to discuss – um, you know, we're going to get into some players pending free agents to kind of, te- you know, break down what we thought about them plus a little bit more. Uh, as also a reminder, this Friday, we're going to go to our memory book, get our favorite memories of Gila River Arena. So you have until Thursday night to submit your favorite memories. If you get to all ready, once again, submit them either to DM us on Twitter or go to send them to lockdowncaities at gmail.com. That will be on Friday's episode. We release that. We got other stuff, a lot of stuff coming up next week. We got the lottery. We got uh, guests coming up. We got a full packed next couple of weeks for the Locked On Coyotes podcast. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anyways, that's going to be it for today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review. Like, comment, subscribe if you're yet to already. We're available everywhere you get your podcast, including on YouTube. Don't forget to interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnCoyotes, on Instagram at LockedOnCoyotes, and on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Leonio. Carl Pavlock is Carl Pavlock FFH. You interact with us, ask the question you might have, and you can answer right back or on a future episode of the Lockdown Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on.